thirty bucks on a uh, on a recipe book for a secret Santa, and I'm like starting to regret the joke because I uh, I bought a, a semen recipe book. It's like a oh god, damn. <laughs> oh god. Here I go. I log oh on. God. I make the I make the Discord <laughs> server all. I make the. I make the Discord server all clean with my little dots and everything to get all of those uh, naughty naughty photos off there. And uh, I, I, the first two seconds after the I got onto the, yeah, so I got this uh, semen recipe book. Excellent, yes. just excellent. Yo, not... yeah, semen recipe books. Well, I you listened to a Jorgen podcast where he talked about the the protein benefits of semen. I no, really believe no. him, to be honest. So for all of our uh, viewers on uh, the YouTube uh, side on the YouTube stream, welcome. Um, I am uh, sorry uh, about this, and uh, I, I can't be mad if you unsubscribe after uh, being assaulted with that uh, wall of voice of semen recipes. Anyway, um, so we are actually here not to discuss that, but to discuss the latest video on China. So I hope everyone's, uh, you know, even in this Discord server is, is here to discuss that as well and not uh, whatever it is that you were discussing earlier. <laughs> well, of course, of course. First of all, I would say that uh, I think the video was quite accurate in most depictions. I'm not necessarily agreeing with the wars versus battle thing, but that's a whole different other point. But I think it was quite good. So that's nice. Just a heads up, expect somebody on r slash bad history to be making uh, a video for a uh, response. <laughs> oh yeah, it's most likely going to be that, yeah. That yeah. could be. Hey, but well, you're not a historian, you know, you get, you get passing points. Thanks. Well, I you hope know, so. the, the thing is with that, and, and especially with China, China doesn't really have giant wars where you talk about not like the invasion of Korea where they stepped in in what is 1600 something uh, and stuff like that. Uh, but they have, inc well, essentially their history is when they are united, they must divide. And when they are divided, they unite again. So a lot of civil war. Yeah. But anyway, that's not really economic, so let's leave that behind us. Yes, I, I yeah. loved how you started out like a video about China, and then you went and talked about GDP, and then you went and talked about the efficient frontier. Like, I'm like, you, you make a series of just explaining uh, economic uh, indicators and economic measurements to lay people. I think you, you could make a killer, killer series doing that. Yeah, well, it's something I try and always slip in um, into the videos because I find that a lot of people, you know, I, I like to, to think that people sort of learn something in these videos and, um, and and that's certainly something where it's like very textbook, you know, this. But I find that probably people won't click on a video saying, let's learn about the production possibility frontier. What they will click on is a video about China and, hey, if they get some book learning done in the meantime, all the better for it. But you've got to kind of trick them into doing it. Uh, you know, I'm kind of like uh, that mum that hides medicine in the Coca-Cola. Yeah. yeah. As Lover. as a layman, I can say that it works really well. I didn't know anything about production thingamajigs, but now <laughs> I've I obviously taught sort you of so understand well. It when it's brought up. Yeah, and that's also the most important part of education. Often, it's not not that people need to know the ins and outs of everything, but if you look at economics or taxes or something like that. If you have a general um, item you can well uh, identify with and you can see how it generally works, it's all fine, it's all good, uh, and how you can um, then uh, proceed. Because what people need is the knowledge to actually a be able to complete some uh, basic tasks, 
but overall you will never go into certain uh, topics as that is out of your comfort zone or you're not studied for that. For example, not everybody is going to be a rocket scientist, so you're not going to tell anybody that. You're just saying, well, this is the general well formula behind it. You can learn it, you can see it, but for the rest, we're never going to see it again because it's a general formula. You can search it up. Yeah, and I think that's that that you know effectively is what most people need to know. In the same way that you know people don't need to know things that are too in depth with economics, but I think if you have a good general knowledge of it, you can hold a conversation. Um, you know, you can you can make intelligible decisions. That's that's a positive outcome, right? Um, and I'm glad I could uh, I'm glad I could teach you so in depth that you came uh, here sort of five minutes after watching the video and call it a production thingamajigger. But again, that's quite all right. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, I saw. I read an uh, economics, uh, economic, uh, economics book. But in there, they basically said what you said, but in, um, but in more of like um, production. Uh, um, it's like the curve thingy. I forgot. How, I don't know how it's called in English. Forgot. But uh, more of like in uh, production for useful things and for like people things. So like you can have. Um, uh, so like you can have certain amount of factories to create more factories and but the other factories are to create like uh, cookies and uh, computers and ah yeah can grow... consumptive goods versus factory, capital goods factory. yeah yeah so uh yeah well i mean um so th that's something that um, yeah, it's probably worth being discussed. Uh, so every country or nation or even individual has the opportunity to use their capital and capital effectively means anything that can make more things. Money is one, um, you know, a, a plant, you know, like a, a factory is one, a big piece of machinery is an example of capital. It's kind of anything that you can really buy and turn into more of that. Uh, and, you know, even on a small scale and maybe in the way that's easier for individuals to understand, um, you get paid at the end of the day, right? Um, you know, maybe every fortnight, maybe every month, I'm not sure. But I'm assuming everyone here in this chat gets paid in some way or another. Um, now with that, you have the option. You can go and buy cookies, let's say, um, or you can save and invest that money. Now, if you save that money, of course, that means short term, you can't buy cookies. That's the opportunity cost of saving money. You put money into a bank, that money doesn't go towards getting cookies. You can't have your cookie and eat it too. Uh, now, that does mean that if you put it away and you save and invest it, that you can generate more income in the future, which means that you can then buy more cookies. At the end of the day, your ultimate goal is to maximize the amount of cookies that you buy. Um, and you know, no one really wants to put money away and save and invest it for absolutely nothing. The same is true on a larger scale when you look at nations. They can invest in productive infrastructure, or you know, they can invest in giving their citizens what they want here and there. Uh, eventually, it's it's all about having that discipline, putting away, and looking for you know greater overall wealth later on down the road. Um, so I think that's the easiest way to understand it. Now, of course, when we're talking about opportunity cost. Um, pretty much all the time, economists only ever talk about opportunity cost comparing one thing to another uh, because it's much easier to understand. Realistically, you toss up you know, hundreds of things that you do or don't buy in any given day and you toss up hundreds of examples of things when you're like, oh, fuck, should I save this money or should I spend it? Uh, YOLO, let's spend it. Um, you, know, you go through those decisions probably every single day and that's all examples 
uh, of opportunity cost and realistically your uh, production possibility frontier or, or more likely your consumption possibility frontier uh, is limited by how much you earn and or how much you can borrow. I thought you were going to mention how a country can, like the whole time I was watching the opportunity cost or the production possibility curve, taking my other video, I thought you were going to mention how you can produce outside of it when you trade. Oh, yeah, so um, it's a classic like uh, a lot of times when you're learning this in in school like the production possibility frontier uh, opportunity cost is another big one as well it goes hand in hand with absolute and comparative advantage of manufacturing uh, and trade so it is something that kind of does go hand in hand you'll find that you know let's say a country like china i don't know i'm going to be racist and say they're really really good at making rice okay uh and a country like the netherlands is really good at making racist, yeah i don't know some people get triggered they're like it, 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 rice uh anyway you know what i'm moving saying moving on yeah, yeah. We it's the just an example let's continue yes yes anyway um in this country like the netherlands is really really good at making boats you know they're effectively underwater um so you know they've, they've gotten good at making ships so what would kind of happen is let's say that you know a country like the netherlands would pretty much suck at making rice you know its soil is not super fertile it's like yeah you know it's not great it doesn't have that much land mass uh, and it doesn't have that many people to toil the fields and, and and people from the netherlands you know dutch people they they charge a lot of money to employ um so they're kind of crappy at making rice and the rice that they do make would be very expensive and taste really bad uh, but they're fantastic at making ships so what they'll say is well look hey china we suck at making rice but we're really good at making ships why don't you make the rice and we will make the ships we'll give you some ships and you give us some rice uh, because if you draw out let's say the netherlands production possibility frontier now in the video i showed it as like a perfect almost like 90 degree kind of um, curve what it would look like for the netherlands is something that's totally squished in to favor the production of ships and in the same for china it would be totally squished to favor the production of rice so it's not a perfect trade-off uh, so they would say, oh, well, look, it obviously is more beneficial for us to just focus on what we're good at uh, and then trade. Now, the reason I didn't get into it in the video is I did discuss it already um, with the video on foreign exchange and also, I believe, the video on the North Pole. Um, so I didn't want to sort of sound like a broken record too much. The only thing that I say in every single video is uh, stability is the foundation of a good economy and Norway is bay. Uh, I wanted to ask, like, about the video. Um, well, you didn't really talk about. Um, I thought you'd talk about the hundred years of humiliation, how they call it, basically how you know Europeans took over parts of China, you know, like in the Hong Kong and the Macau, and like I guess how that affected them economically. Um, yeah well i mean um that wasn't something that was necessarily specific to china um china was just uh, sort of and unfortunately like, you know the opium wars and everything how yeah but it's also really um if you look to the history itself of that region it, it's quite well big to see that of course these uh, bigger navies because the countries were not bigger in any sense of the imagination and also, uh, as also stated pure production role manpower china was beating every uh, country fair and square um yeah. the, the the thing is this uh, well essentially back then bigger bigger gun diplomacy or bigger army diplomacy 
um, especially with the opium wars, stuff like that. It's actually quite common, comical to see because um, we wanted so much out of China and such regions that we did not really consider, consider anything else. However, if you look then to trade balances, if there flows a lot of, in this case, it was silver mostly, uh, mostly silver by the British, for example, to buy tea uh, from China. Um, and so much silver went to the Chinese, and the Chinese were happy about it, you know, they get more currency, it's all fine and dandy, and they export, in this case, uh, a commodity tea. Uh, however, if you don't export anything else to them, as, as Britain, um, that means that you automatically have some, well, sort of items there that you, well, you have a trade deficit. And if that becomes too big and it, and the economy, uh, economy can't support it back home because you either have a too big deficit in general and don't have uh, much exports to other countries, that re automatically results in you having a giant outflow of, of money. So what try, did they try to do? They tried to, well, find something um, that the Chinese wanted. And apparently, not really really anything that is out of the ordinary, addiction is a very good way to sell a, pro a type of product continuously. And let's happen to be that un India is a very good way, um, or well, a very good country to farm opium in. So they started to do that. And when they essentially, uh, they outlawed this, this use and, uh, and trade of opium within China, they basically said, yeah, you're hurting our interests, so therefore we're going to try and invade you and try to get these rules uh, turned back. That's essentially a, a TLDR what happens with the opium wars. Um, and in parts of it, it also resulted in a lot of, I wouldn't say a big conceit of land, but of course you had uh, trade cities that were conceded to the powers like um, Great Britain, uh, I don't know if France was in there, but Portugal, Portugal yeah. Germany. Germany, Germany as well, yeah. yeah. All of them essentially got um, uh, trade ports in order to operate. And of course, that kept, in the 1990s, that became the, or, uh, a really big issue because, of course, are you going to uh, return it to them, blah, 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 stuff like that. Uh, but this is not out of the ordinary because if you look at, for example, what the Chinese tried to do was essentially what the Japanese also were doing. Uh, but the Japanese gave out one port. No, it's quite ironic. The Dutch were the only ones who were allowed to operate oh, yeah, there. The story, it's a funny story. Yeah, it's yeah, exactly. About the, the Dutch port in Japan, like the only the only country that. Uh, yeah, it was on an area. island far away. Because keep in mind that China tried to be isolation, uh, an isolation essentially, uh, as they were trying. Well, they had a very good internal system. They had a tributary system outside of the uh, the country, and it was all working quite fine. And until essentially external threats were applied to them in the 1800s and early 1900s, then it started to crumble that system. Um, and also, of course, trying to, well, divide the country once more. That, of course, happened after the fall of the emperor in 1913, I think. So, yeah. Roughly. Yeah. So, something like that and it's 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 most for these countries all all across asia i think uh, siam as what is now thailand of course is one of the few ones that didn't get affected that much by it but the rest i think all pretty much got affected by it oh yeah they got ruined 
Okay, I've got to say one thing. It's completely, completely um, beside the uh, point of this video or anything that was just discussed. But Kirk Skazart uh, insists on releasing a video like uh, at exactly the same time I do. And it's kind of annoying because they have like 10 million <laughs> subscribers. So I feel like they kind of squash and suck up all of the viewers. Hmm. Wait, the, the population of Africa video? No, they did, they did that oh, last week. Oh, the new one. Oh, My one yeah, went up yeah, last week. Uh, um, two minutes later, overpopulation in Africa, <laughs> and now oh, um, <laughs> I didn't your views. <laughs> I know. The supernova. Send them a mean spirited message. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I always thought they did one one per month. I thought that was their their sort of thing, one per month. But damn, they are really pumping them out because they those videos must take forever to make. Like, because they're just oh, yeah, incredible. They're yeah, thousands of hours. yeah I, th I know well, they have a huge staff, but yeah. Yeah, everything grows when you have a big staff. Honestly, it's 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 quite amazing to see with multi-million uh, or billion dollar companies, which are in, a me uh, in the, well, media uh, spheres, when, when you see the amount of, of product they uh, deliver and the amount of manpower behind it, it's astonishing, uh, especially with these kind of things. And also keep in mind that over time, the more efficient they become with, for example, the animations. Because I think with these videos, especially for them, the animations is the biggest part of the visual or the whole thing. Of course, the background research is very important, but that is relatively um, not that hard to do. You need just a couple of people to do some background checks on uh, material um, and, and study it in order to create a script. Essentially, look what, um, uh, how are they called? Line detectives does it. They just get an information feed, they work out a little script about it, they get maybe a sponsor with some uh, items that are relevant to it, uh, they reach out to somebody who is sponsoring to have a sponsorship in it, and there you go. They have a video compiled and ready to go for every day. But they still have like 30 people on staff. Yeah, yeah, Lin oh, oh dear, I thought the bank closed too. Uh, yeah, Linus Tech Tips, um, yeah, I think that looking in terms of uh, like uh, CPM, like in terms of the money that goes into them for advertising, they'd be like at the very top because people that watch Linus Tech Tip videos are like interested in tech, so advertisers really can be very targeted there. But I think he's actually one of the, the, the few uh, YouTubers that are like very genuinely open about just how large his staff is. I'm blown away because it literally is like a an actual... Yeah, he said like 12 people, I think, on his Patreon or something like that. Oh, I think it's well yeah. more than that. He has like a, a tour where he goes to all of the staff in the office. It's probably close to like 30 guys. Um, wow. Yeah. 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 So it's a, it's a uh, large office. It's around 35. They are hiring still, so they won't, are going Whoa. to 35. But also imagine they have their own convention. They have their own merchandise. Really? They do in-house. Yes. Um, how is it called again? Um, LTX. Um, it was the first one was this year. Next year, of course, there's going to be an, uh, another one for it. They do their um, uh, merchandising, as I said, completely in-house, except for the printing. Uh, so stuff like that. They have their own media team who reaches out to, for example, sponsors. And of course, then you have, for example, all of kind of other things that are really relevant for it. And it's quite nice to see that also when you look, looping back a little bit to the China uh, China part, when you see all of these um, innovations that are coming out, uh, especially in China, they also did a video about it. The essentially the process of how they uh, make 
uh, stuff in China in order to uh, have benefits for the future um, essentially goes so quickly, no company, no country except for China is so quick with technology than them. Uh, from developing to bringing it to market, they can do with technology almost in three months, which is batshit crazy if you compare to the West. It, 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 it's, it's absolutely nuts. Oh, no. Well, China has other problems, so, you know, they have very speedy uh, the rails, but... Uh, oh, yeah, they, <laughs> they have, have like 500 times the amount of rails that the U.S. does. Yeah, but uh, they have their own problems. Well, every, every country has its own problems, because every country has its unique challenges, and, and, and that's it. And that's especially with also China. If you look at how big it is, uh, it's almost impossible to uh, to rule completely over everything. This means uh, a lot of uh, regional divide is in place. <laughs> also, um, also with uh, the historical examples, because if 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 essentially somebody is given uh, a mentorship or a, 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 or um, um, well a uh, that they look over a certain um, region because they have uh, not necessarily. Uh, nobility to uh, in ranks what we have uh, or had in Europe, but they were more like also a centralized government, meaning government officials were looking over it. Of course, when you especially look in those days, uh, corruption was rampant. Uh, they tried to, to get a lot of um, um, well resources out of the country, out of the region they ruled, uh, for in order to either send it back to, of course, uh, I think it was, is, was it back then Beijing or Nanking that was um, the capital? That doesn't I really matter. Nanking. Nanking. Yeah, Nanking. I think so as yeah. well. It was Nanking and uh, now it's Beijing, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and when you see that, they of course came every time a little bit off the top, which is usually quite normal because you take collect taxes, you pay yourself, and then the rest goes to your employer, in this case, the, uh, the government. But if you skim a little bit of, of that top a little bit more, of course, you keep a lot more. And stuff like that, of course, goes into a big political divide with uh, how you look at China's economy uh, back in the day, but also currently. But that's, again, a whole different all uh, other ballpark. Yeah. Actually, are there any questions uh, about anything from the video or something? Because we're now yeah, rambling about anything. For me. <laughs> um, with the comparison to Rome and Rome's existence later on, you can follow people thinking of themselves as Roman up until like literally a hundred years ago on some islands in Greece. There were people that are like, I'm Roman. Okay. Well, whatever. Even if that, well, that if, that's even yes, if that was not even, the same because of like the technology and the stuff, but culturally, you will find people that say that I am Roman. Yeah. So look, even if that was the case, cool. That's fine, and I'm sure there are people that probably say uh, even to this day that I'm Egyptian. Um, you know, much much more so. Uh, but it's about the continuation of a, a pretty much a singular entity. Uh, and, you know, Rome, you know, which was sort of a, a very industrious, very powerful empire at the time, of course, 
uh, you know, pretty much fizzled out. And of course, you know, maybe there's some, some remnants on an island somewhere, uh, but it's very different from having, um, you know, the largest population of the largest population uh, of a country talk about, um, you know, being Han Chinese, you know, Han Ren, like they, they, that's how they identify um, today. Uh, and, I, and I think that sort of goes to show, you know, is this sort of the continuation of the empire more so than, you know, look, obviously there are sort of like yeah, trivialities, like, you know, people on islands and, and what have you. Um, but they're not certainly, you know, going on to be the, the second most powerful economy in the world. Yeah, and you also yeah. need to look at uh, the Roman Empire versus, of course, uh, China. China has a continuous history, maybe with some switches from dynasties from one to the other, but always they had the internal struggle versus the out, uh, external struggle. Uh, so essentially keeping this country um, combined and uh, fend off the barbarians uh, from the north, which were the steppe hordes, essentially. Of course, then you had the Manchus, the Oryats, and stuff like that. Um, and of course, later on, also the Mongols. Um, they didn't send them off. They got occupied. Sorry? The Mongols occupied China. They didn't yeah, send yeah, them they, off. They, they, yeah, but the, they had the. In, uh, but I mean, they had the internal struggle to keep these people out. Of course, they not always succeeded. Okay. Let's put it that way. Do you have, do you have a rancor in the, in the background of your living room there? Good damn. What? Nah, it doesn't matter. It's just some some god awful sound coming from from the back of his uh, like microphone. Um, but yeah, yeah look, no, I, it, it, it's my microphone. Uh it's gone yeah, now. No worries. Yeah, oh, sorry. No worries. Ah. No, it's it, it, it's quite funny to see because if you look at Roman, um, of course, disclaimer: I'm not an historian on uh, uh, on the Roman society and stuff like that. I just know a little bit about it. Um, and also the same goes for China, uh, especially in its historical sense. Um, but when you see to the Romans, they had a really big um, reliance on, or first of all, it was a republic, of course, later on it became an, uh, um, well, an empire. They were needed, well, they needed to expand because they had a lot of obligations in order to give land to people themselves. They had quite a good amount of infrastructure that was quite impressive, even for uh, that day. Uh, compared to, for example, any other nation, uh, Zarathus, uh, China, all had similar systems, but nothing like uh, the Romans in terms of infrastructure. But um, what happened essentially when uh, the, the the barbarian tribes from the north uh, or North Europe came into um, uh, Gaul and especially later also into uh, the Italian peninsula, they fell apart because they tried to amiss, uh, assimilate uh, people into what essentially was um, the core of their empire versus for example when you look to uh, China they had a very big border around them uh, with all natural occurring elements in order to fend off uh, invasions doesn't mean it doesn't happen but it is m much more difficult or unlikely that these kind of items are happening um, and then you also see that if you have well the location of their population it was mainly centered uh, around it I think two major rivers of, of China. The Yellow River, yeah. 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 Two major rivers. Yeah. And, and these were really uh, centralized uh, places in, like, if you compare it to, um, uh, to essentially what Gaul 
uh, Germania and, and all these regions within Europe were uh, for the Romans. Uh, essentially, France was completely open to, uh, to invasion. They just crossed the, uh, the steps, essentially. It, the, uh, Italy, uh, the peninsula, was quite well shielded because of the Alps. But the rest of it essentially could easily be either raided, taken, or completely taken over. And, and that was, of course, a very big part of what was important about it. And then you also need to see the difference between the trade centers in the uh, east, essentially later on the Byzantine Empire or Eastern Roman Empire, uh, how you want to call it. And then you compare it to the west, which was, well, easily falling apart because also the eastern part had much easier borders to protect. Because, of course, in the Balkans, you have quite a, lot, a large amount of mountains. And after internal divides and some hunts, of course, um, the Byzantine Empire became a lot weaker. And over, over time, of course, until 1453, uh, I think, then they uh, eventually fell to the Ottomans. I think it was, but yeah. Well, um, maybe we should talk about economics, uh, you know. It's uh, <laughs> <the fact> <laughs> so uh, all that I can think of. Uh, yeah. well, the other, no, nah, well, look, um, no, no, I think a, a lot of times economics and history sort of tie one into another. To be to be good at economics, yeah. you, in a certain sense, do need to be, well, not good at history, but have an understanding of it. And I'd say ultimately the same for history. If you're going to be good at history, you should understand economics. So, I know I don't want to. Motives sort of... for the law, lots of wars are economic motives, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Get the the monies. But yeah. there is actually a really good question over on the YouTube live stream. Well, it's not so much a question as a statement, but it's certainly something worth touching on because I know it will start a lot of fantastic conversation. Um, so Creepypasta Goblin said, I live in China. The videos in 10 years about their cataclysmic housing and population collapse will be fascinating, uh, which I think is certainly the case. Uh, look, as for population, I'm not sure. They have an aging population, of course, brought about by their one-child policy, which, you know... Um, could have some serious impacts sort of later on down the road with, with a population that's ultimately going to get older um, with a heavier weighting towards the elderly. Uh, but I think housing might be a more immediate immediate um, kind of issue. And uh, it's something that I'm going to probably talk about in, in part three. So uh, part two is, of course, going to be about, uh, you know, uh, communist China and sort of what went wrong there and, and how it all started to get turned around and then part three will be modern day China and, and what's happening with it. Um, but, you know, maybe it's a little bit of a spoiler. Um, housing in China is is one of the few things that the population feels comfortable investing in. Uh, China has a stock market, uh, but securities in China are very um, kind of like the wild, wild west. Regulation's not super strong around it, and also a lot of companies that do get to be publicly listed are kind of partially owned, at least by uh, the, state. Either the state or Communist Party officials. It's, you yeah. know, just sort of, it's, at the end of the day, I mean, it's it's a communist nation. Um, at least, you know, by title. So it does have a lot of those sort of hangovers. Uh, what that means is that really the only way that people can invest um, is either through, you know, uh, like peer-to-peer -peer lending, which is a huge thing, like massive in China, much, much bigger than it is in the West, or um, through through real estate. And real estate's certainly their, their, their main kind of passion, I suppose, in the same way that, you know, probably more so here, we maybe invest through a combination of both real estate and and securities you know shares um now uh what that means is you know ultimately housing hasn't become about um you know who 
can facilitate and who's going to live in in what kind of domicile it's become you know houses are basically like poker chips you know um you know i've got to uh buy up these houses i don't care what it looks like on paper as long as i have well, as long as i own a house i'm basically in the market uh and the sort of uh, videos that you'll see uh, there's two guys in particular that make really, really fantastic uh, videos on it. Um, like I think collectively, like it's ADV China. They have like a hot, like three channels oh, yeah. collectively. Like ADV China, Serpent ZA, and someone else. But anyway, you, you search one of those, they'll show it. Um, but these guys live in China. They're like expatriates in in China, uh, and they motorbike around the country. And they went to this city, and it and it looks like a you know a full standing, very very large residential city, and it's completely empty there's these huge skyscrapers you know probably 30 40 story tall apartment complexes and there's multiple of them dozens and dozens and dozens of them there must be tens of thousands of apartments in this complex uh, and not a single person living in there and they say well they don't care about who's living in there um all they want is to own some kind of real estate because that is their investment that's their savings account is to have this this piece of real estate uh, which means you get really, really shittily put together buildings. They just get slapped on up there. Uh, and you get all of these instances of people that don't care if like people are actually going to live in it, don't care if there's actually genuine demand for housing. They just want some vehicle to invest in. And they've been told that these little concrete boxes are the best vehicle to invest in. And it's caused a, not only a speculative market, but a huge you know rush to build these pointless, pointless buildings. It's it's really quite fascinating because anyone sort of with a bit of logic can see that it's a bubble, but it's kind of like I'm going to get in because otherwise I'm going to miss out. Well, but that's also a, a problem, of course, with a bubble. Essentially, if you have it within such an economy where a lot of people within China, I can't tell if they are misinformed, not informed or something like that. But in one thing is certain, they don't know exactly what they're doing. Um, and when essentially everything goes up, if you go with the bubble, of course you make profit because these people, although I would argue that it are not complete shit boxes, they are quite good housing if you look at it. It's not, of course, high, high ends. That's nothing like it. But no, they are you know, terrible housing. They are terrible housing in general? Oh, fucking yeah, yeah, god awful. The majority are quickly yeah. assembled just to save money. China China. Yeah, okay. They are quickly... Yeah. Okay, fair enough. I will they give fall you that apart like a week after. Oh, really? No, no, but not, not no, really. no, no, no. I, 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 I exaggerated, but they fall apart really quickly. Uh, yeah, there's a video from. Uh, That's actually really funny to see because uh, Chinese they care about the inside of the apartment. The outside of the apartment is like meh. That's the common good. Inside is important. Whoa. Uh, there is this YouTuber uh, with his Chinese wife, he's like an American or something, and he, he is now a sort of Chinese citizen, he has like a Chinese wife, and he makes video about China, and he, uh, he I just like, it got recommended to me about his video about uh, how China became worse in the past uh, decade, how like he, and like he, part of the video was like talking about physical state of China, how like the apartment he bought deteriorated really really fast like uh, he bought it it was brand new like built uh, and then like the elevator never worked and they've um, yeah, I, think those, I think it's i think it's the same guy yeah. i think it's the same guy that we're talking about and I yeah, yeah, yeah. Indeed uh, how china changed my opinion on communism or something i think the video was called oh i don't know if it was that um, heated yeah but i also I see that actually yeah but i think a lot of it actually also comes from uh asian 
attitudes towards um, investment. I think there's a genuine difference to real assets had in Asia as opposed to things like equities and fixed income and other kind of um, like paper assets. So it's a very big cultural thing that, okay, you save up, you only have to buy a house. Uh, you said... Shop or something. Sorry. Well, so you, and you see that the uptake of equity investment is far, far lower in comparison to more yeah, and I think I think that's 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 certainly fair. I mean, in um, I mean, uh, I wouldn't say it's a, I wouldn't say it's an Asian thing as much as I'd say it's a Chinese thing. Um, like I mean, the the uh, Tokyo has a very very active and very very large securities uh, exchange market, so um, I wouldn't fair to say say it's it's a strictly Asian thing as much as I would say it's certainly a Chinese thing, um, because I think uh, in a lot of senses, if I have this thing. You know this house, this this piece of dirt. Um, I know I own it. Um, it's not something that can easily be taken away from me, and I can sort of see and touch it. Whereas if I have, you know, even money sitting in a bank, you know, they have this probably inherent fear that oh shit, you know, like that could just be taken away if I piss the wrong people off in a position of power. Um, that can go quite easily. And there's another big reason um, that they they really really love foreign um real estate you know investing in houses overseas is like even better still um because that's completely outside of the control of the ccp you know that is kind of like yep i've got this and no matter what i've got this it's like uh their golden ticket yeah it's back to that word confidence isn't it <laughs> confidence is the foundation of any good economy yeah, and as yeah, long as that... it keeps on rising, uh, the confidence stays, and as soon as the bubble bursts, everybody's going to run for their money, and there's nothing to, well, collect anymore off of that, or, well, pennies on the dollar. Yeah, excuse me, the, the, video, the video you talked about, uh, so if anyone want to watch it, is why China changed my opinion on, why I changed my opinion on China. Yeah, yeah, the one I sent on the guy, yeah. Yeah, and these guys are actually very, very interesting. Like they, they live in a, and obviously China's like a bit a country that's probably a little bit, well, pardon the pun, but probably a little bit foreign to, uh, to to a lot of people because they are, you know, effectively a lot they're like closed off and they're a society that's sort of, you know, pretty new to the, to the world. To other people that live in other countries, I, wow. Ah, uh, yeah, but you know, like right. much, much more so than say. Um, like a country like uh, you know America is to me, or even Japan, or or a country like that, because you know you, you sort of, uh, you know, you know, sort of thirty years ago, China was a country that just didn't really have anything to do with the rest of the world. Um, yeah, so that's true, and it, it's not really a, like it's cultural pressure on the rest of the world. Isn't that of let's say like America or even like Japan, European countries, Russia, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I haven't seen a single Chinese movie or some movie produced in China in my life, so... No, there are good movies from China, I know that. I'm not saying they aren't, they aren't. I'm just saying they're not widespread compared to, let's say, American movies. Uh, yeah, and India. Yeah, they have a very tight <laughs> well, coming to you soon, market. Well, they have, yeah. a, you know, a, a lodging, a, a, you know, anime market, so uh, we just beware, you know. Beware, the CCP is coming for your... Yeah, there is an anime on Marx, like actual anime on Marx made by the Chinese, like, by China. Wow, so, yeah. I want to see that. Actually, yeah, it's pretty bad, but yeah. Yeah. Well, I thought it would be amazing. 
But isn't this also a focus of China itself to try to become less dependent on um, essentially the West for their exports, so uh, developing their own internal consumer market in order to essentially compete when uh, demand starts to fall from outside essentially the country? And of course, they still want to be very, very good for investment, which they are becoming less and less so. Not historically. Uh, in historical terms, China has always was uh, thrived on the West and under its conflicts because it's yeah, up, so up until now, China's just been a raging mess. Yeah, I've got a question about the video. Um, it's, it's something I've often thought about. You know. There was a fairly pro-Western government in place before, uh, under Chiang Kai-shek, before the communists took over. It makes me wonder, was there anything to stop the current economic rise of China happening 50 years earlier if the communists...